What is going on, good world? Welcome to another episode of the Brothers Podcast. Give it up for yourselves. Because in a world full of hate, who's going to do it for you? I'm your host, Dante Chase Bridges, a.k.a. Dante Chase Bridges, along with my co-host. State your name, bro. Steven City P. Watson, and together that will make us... The Brothers. Yes, yes. Man, this is actually the remnants of a horrible thing that happened, man. You know, we was dealing with someone that's a hood icon, but somebody that had a positive message that was delivering positivity among the masses of African Americans. And today, I think we need to talk about a lot of dynamics of this whole thing called Nipsey Hussle and the death of this man. But before we do all that, if you know us, you know we gotta get in a little bit of something we call Town Hall Business. City people, what you got? For starters, let's uh, issue a quick apology about yesterday. We had some things we had to take care of, a little bit of a delay, but we're here, y'all. We know you missed us, because we definitely missed you. We just want to shout out the people that have been supporting us once again. I shout out our young man, young our residential DJ JMC. Yes, we want to also shout out our pod, our new podcast affiliates, some of our partners on the Brothers uh, Central Hub. Tuning in right now, Mr. Reggie Price. He's got his podcast going on. Called I could be wrong, but I, I doubt it. it. Be sure to keep a lookout for his episode. I think it's dropping Tuesday. You got the next episode dropping Tuesday. Yes, uh, right, also, sure. shout out to our good boy, our young wolf, Ryan Watkins, for At My Mama's Table. I think his episode dropped yesterday. You're right in the central, in our central hub. So, shout outs to Ryan Watkins. Um, and, of course, shout out to our viewers who are tuning in. We appreciate y'all. What you want to get, Mr. Bridges? Also, like I always do, we're giving a shout-out to all our affiliates. So shout-out to WIAN Radio at Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You can find this on at the Brothers in Tennessee. Ain't that some song? Yes. Also, give a shout-out to Scene Chicago Radio, where you can pick up the Brothers Podcast. I'd like to give a shout-out to iHeartRadio. Let's give a shout-out to iTunes. Let's talk about the Spotify. Let's talk about all the anchors and all the apps that you can catch the Brothers Podcast. Because the only thing we are is a Google Away. Mm-hmm. That's how we doing it now. Yes, Shout sir. out to the fans that make this what it is. And if you like the content that we bringing, go on hit that like button. You love it, hit the share. And if you really love it, tell your mama and them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got anything to talk about, brother? I get. I'm out of topic. I think we need to get right to it. So we usually we do this little segment called "What's Really Good Out Here." What would be really good out here? Well, right now I think this pretty much takes the cake of what's really good out here because a lot of people probably don't wonder themselves. Ah, it's just another rapper. Nah. This, as people have said, this hits a little differently. So, our topic today is Nipsey Hussle. As you hear playing in the background, Mr. Nipsey Hussle. You want to go ahead and address that? Well... Like we saying, man, you hear in the background going on with Nipsey Hussle, it's because we want to break down a lot of things about this man called Nipsey Hussle, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that people don't understand about this dude was he was more than a rapper. He was somebody that actually brought back what a crip really was, and that's what community resistance and process that's what it really stood for. And so when he began to become a man, like all of us, he began to embark the real things about protecting your community instead of destroying your community, building businesses instead of robbing them, the things that we need in order to benefit us as a whole of black people. And so this is one of the reasons why this is bigger than if a rapper died. This is a person that started to make the blueprint 
of what we're supposed to be doing inside our own communities, whether you went to a big college or whether you just a hood dude from the streets, maybe gang affiliated. So what we really want to get into about this, we got to start from the ground and work our way up, man. So let's just talk about the actual murder real quick, Let's talk man. about it real quick. And look, you got anything to say about that, man? Uh, let's just go ahead and break down what happened. So I believe it was, what, March 31st. Okay, Sunday, March 31st at around 5 p.m. evening time in L.A. Nipsey Hussle was gunned down right outside of his own, gross, his own clothing store. Um... The assailant uh, in name is a young man by the name of Eric Holder, who was 29 years old. Nipsey Hussle was 33. Nipsey Hussle was pronounced dead at the hospital on arrival. His assailant was a gentleman by the name of Eric Holder, who was 29, who happened to be a former gang member. I say former gang member because I don't think they claim you if you're a snitch. <laughs> uh, the reason why he's a snitch is because he was known as an L.A. informant. He was a paid L.A. informant. This is the reason why Lucy Hustle got into a confrontation with Mr. Holder because Eric Holder, he referred to him as a snitch. So apparently that clearly ruffled Mr. Holder's feathers enough that he decided he wanted to take action against him. Yes, sir. Um, the unfortunate thing is, yes, we do know to our knowledge, Mr. Holder is currently in custody as now. He was captured, I think, what, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, so he is currently in police custody. Surprisingly, he survived that long after the shooting. <laughs> that's that's pretty surprising. You say it like you feel in a certain type of way, like this ain't a normal thing or something. It's, it's, it's the actions and the outcomes are not normal. Why is that? Because this is something that you almost feel like this is kind of a reoccurring thing. But this, 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 this hits a little differently. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people realize that there's a different energy about this. Right. This kind of devolves into a letter of of more of why, for what reason, to what extent this happened. Because this is kind of like it's telling an age-old story over and over and over and over again with black men or the quote-unquote niggas in the Mm -hmm. hood mentality so it's kind of like it's kind of really just driving home a narrative and what's that narrative that you can't do good in the hood because it's always somebody trying to bring you down always a hating ass nigga somewhere it's always it's always one no matter how much good you do for your community, there's always a nigga trying to bring you down. That actually leads me to an interesting question, man. And uh, the biggest thing I want to know is, a lot of people always say, instead of moving out your hood, you should improve your hood. Mm-hmm. So now we're starting to see that a lot of times when you're someone that has money, not only can a person want to let you, they're envious of you. But if you cross them or if they just feel like they want to do something to you, they will go to the lengths of even killing you. Yes. So what would you say to somebody that would be like, well, even though I'm making money, even though I'm being successful and I could be a target, I should still stay in my hood and not just help it, but stay in it while I'm doing it. What would you say to somebody to say that? I would say at this point in time, you have to strongly reevaluate that because it's getting to a point where it's almost like, can you really trust the hood with your own safety and well-being as you're trying to uplift it? Can you trust the hood to do right by you while you're trying to do right by them? Let me ask you that personally. What do you think like personally? Personally, at this point, 
there's gotta be some cut and bait. Like I know one person doesn't speak for the actions of an entire community. We know that. And we and we try really hard not to do with generalizations. Right. But there is a thing that exists in this called gang culture. And gang culture is something you just don't easily walk away from. Right. This incident has a lot of gang-rooted culture involved in this. Mm -hmm. So the unfortunate thing about this is that gang-rooted culture is existing all in that neighborhood. Nipsey's also neighborhood. He grew up as a crip. I mean, basically, crips, basically, if you know the, the terminology you used, is still based on some well-known gang culture, you know. Rolling 60s neighborhood crip. Yes. I just know about it, man. Please, don't. I, yeah. I, I grew up Listen, around stuff like Slauson that. Avenue. That's where he grew up on. That is deeply rooted in crip culture. So mm -hmm. the problem is, is that it's not easy to just walk away. I know the media and we know the public has had a bad eye on a set of bad precedents for how this group has been, you know, uh, presented. So it's really hard to kind of just you want to do well by them. It's really hard because now you got to walk into a hood and say, am I going to be okay? Because you, you get a certain level. Okay? Huh? <laughs> Do you think you're going to be okay? No, yes, at this point, you're like, nah. At, yeah. Nah, because you try to lift up your community and you always understand that a person with money and a person with means is always going to be looked at as a target. Right. And that's in the real world. But now you talk about your own block. You know, I think what happens is people have this fantasy of what they think helping the hood should look like. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that helping the hood should primarily look like you having your house, your home, raising your family inside the hood mm -hmm. as you help the hood. Well, I honestly feel like we have to bring a little bit of reality to this situation. Mm -hmm. Like my man just said, you're dealing in an environment that where Nipsey came from. Even though he's from uh, California, Crenshaw, if you was on the south side of Chicago, West Pullman, you're dealing with the same type of neighborhood. I dealt with a neighborhood. BDs, GDs, Blackstones, mm -hmm. Four Corner Hustlers, and some uh, conservative vice lords, and they on every single West block. Side. That's that's my south side. I don't know what he thought. West side of Chicago. You already know what's going on, <laughs> on the west side of Chicago. But I grew up in that type of environment. And one thing I understand is I'm not going to take it personally that everybody in that neighborhood is in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Because everybody in that neighborhood don't have the money, the funds, the, the economic floor in order to support themselves. And so when you're breeding people in a single parent household primarily... They don't have the income to do the simple things, like even feed themselves on a everyday basis. And now you're bringing in a gang culture that's going to inflict pain for their will, not because they're bad people, because everybody is simply trying to survive. You got to look at that and say, listen, man, although I'm going to help, I know that I have to help from afar. Because if I help from afar, I know that that is more likely for me to continue to help than me to go in the uh, belly of the beast, help, but get taken away like our late, great Nipsey Hussle man just got happened to him. So what I would say to you is, I believe that you should improve the community, but I also believe that you should dwell in reality and know that if you help this community while you're still in it, then the mentality of the hood sometimes means that you are a target yourself. As always. Right. Now, I'm going to dig a little bit on that. Now, we talked about culturally and socially. I want to dig a little bit more on the emotional aspect behind this. Because emotionally, you kind of react to this like, damn, 
a brother who's rooted in this shit, trying to make a come up in his life, trying to bring his people up about this, and he gets gunned down. It's like niggas can't catch a break out here, can we? In your mind, you're thinking niggas can't. We just can't catch a break, especially a black. Take a I'm not gonna say niggas. A black man trying to do better for himself, his family, and his people gets gunned down, and you're wondering to yourself, we cannot do any better. And it's from one of our own. So you gotta kind of wonder what in, in Eric Holder's mind, what the fuck was going on in his mind while this was going down. You got called a snitch. And somewhere in your mind, your fragile ass masculinity got triggered. It triggered you enough that you had to go retaliate with this much level of lethal force. Well, you gotta you gotta think but, about it though, man, because you're dealing with the code of the streets. So yes, I understand. That, that'd code. be like you know, in our society, somebody calling you gay. Not you know, and now in their society, if you call somebody a snitch, that's the ultimate insult, and you might get exiled for it. So you know, you mm-hmm. you got to. Well, I mean, I think being an informant for the LAPD pretty much ruled all that out. So it's kind of like you know, you kind of sunk your own ship on that one. You gotta take the you gotta take it on the chin and bring and bear it. That's mm-hmm. what you've been branded for. It wasn't not known that Holder was not an informant. People right. knew. So when Nancy told him, nah, bruh, you a snitch. I can't have you around here. He wasn't telling them to be in a hostile manner. He wasn't telling them that to be in a disrespectful manner. He told them, I can't have your type around my people. Because mm-hmm. you don't have any loyalty to our people. And I can't have you here. So you got to be on your way. He didn't even, I don't even believe that there was any level of, we're going to beat your ass. He's going to, well, obviously that's made sound like that makes more sense than that because it's gang related. But I believe that hands were laid on him while this happened. So on Eric Holder, while this happened, he was free to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. Mostly any other time, any nigga was there got shot for being a snitch. Let me ask you a question though, man. Because with all this said and done, after we do the, 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 uh, what they call it, the uh, residuals, the, the mm. ritual. What is it called when you celebrate somebody's death? You put the candles out and everything. Uh, grieving. Grieving, more, the grieving process. After we do everything like that, what's the ramifications of all this? Like, what culturally, what emotionally, where do we go from? What do we learn from this? Well, emotionally right now is... What level of a black man did you sit there and say... How traumatic is what? This is a traumatic experience. What is going on in Eric Holder's mind that you got to sit there and do something like this? Well, knowing that what this man represented to the hood. What what I would say is you have to understand the mentality of a person not only being raised without a father, which takes away the masculinity, not being being raised in a uh, society in, in in a neighborhood where death is basically desensitized from you at the age of five, and being in a situation where it's a dog eat dog world where the mere fact of somebody disrespecting you can cause your life to be ended. Once you put yourself into that mentality. Mentality. It's not that I blame Eric Holder for what he did. I feel like Eric Holder is a product of a dirty dog eat dog survival kill or be killed type of mentality. He just so happened to be on the extreme side of the spectrum. I really do believe you're giving this to hold a little bit too much leeway on that on the systematic part. Right, right, right. I think you're giving him a little bit too much leeway, and I'm gonna tell you this why. Because there's nothing in the world. That a word, what that system comes from, 
knowing the actions that you caused to your own community. There's nothing that being you being referred to as something that everybody already knows you as could damage you anymore unless you had your pride and your ego attacked. You were embarrassed. That was a personal vendetta. That was not more than just a, a community thing or a cultural upbringing that he had to suffer for. That was personal. Mm-hmm. That was a personal attack from Holder to Nipsey. That was nothing more, nothing less. That was a hit. That was a personal hit on him. That was his retaliation for called a snitch. And he was a snitch. And he knew he was a snitch. And everybody in that block knew he was a snitch. And the fact that he decided he wanted to retaliate because of that, like, you reached a breaking point. Like, come on, man. For let real? Me, let, let me uh, let me make this quick statement. So, Nipsey Hussle, at the end of his life, became somebody that was trying to give black people in general um, mm. a better way, a better perspective, trying to start entrepreneurship, trying to start creative think tanks. Mm. But the one thing that we got to understand is, and the reason why I said he's Eric Holder is a product of his environment, is because Nipsey Hussle, at one part of his life, was a product of that same environment. And the same heinous crime that happened to Nipsey Hussle where a man has gotten his life taken for a senseless reason I believe that at some point in Nipsey Hussle's life he was a part of the same type of chain of taking a black man's life for a reason of beefing for a reason that when you look at a whole household and you take away somebody from their mama their wife, their kids, their grandparents, and their friends that love them is is completely senseless. Senseless. But, it, but so, it's also an right, idea. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I say that is because there's something that I want y'all to go check out on the brothers page. Uh, it's something that Nipsey Hussle said. He said that you can't really run from karma, okay? Because at a certain point, what you've done, whether it be in a past life or this life, is going to come back to you. It might not come back to you in the way that you did it, but it'll necessarily come back to you in some type of way. And this is not me to negate the fact that this dude was an awesome human being at the end of his life trying to do right things for the community. But I believe that Nipsey Hussle understood that when you get your boots dirty, uh, you can't get them you can't get them clean again. And it's 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 horrible to witness the fact that karmic debt has to be paid in the black community especially when you're trying to get your life together and especially when you're trying to affect other people but when you get trapped in inside of a a pattern and inside of a community that takes life because of frivolous things this is what happens and what i want people to understand is nipsey should be celebrated but nipsey's situation should be observed and it should be observed for the fact that you understand that being in that life can have Deadly results even when you're trying to get your life together and so you don't make that same mistake Or if you have been paying your karmic debt, you need to stop right now So you can actually not have what happened in Nipsey happen to yourself or your friends and family Again, I'm going to push back on that one just a little bit because this is the issue I have a problem with that karmic debt is a real thing that is true however you just explained Nipsey Hussle was able to sully his hands and able to try to fight to get himself back clean. That does not mean that Mr. Holder didn't have, couldn't have possibly done the same thing. There's a time and a place where we can also sit there and say this is a, a cultural upbringing and also you can say that's an excuse. There is really not that much of an excuse for what Mr. Holder did for what his actions were. That doesn't change anything. I will, meet, I will sit there and go right here on this live and say there's not an excuse. 
because it's the whole that knew his actions was based on fragile was fragility, his inability to process the fact that he was embarrassed. This was an immoral attack. And I'm not trying to say this is, oh, now he's going to start taking some personal. Nah. Holder did this for his own personal vendetta. He didn't do that to help anybody. He didn't do that for a gang-related thing. He didn't do it for the streets. He didn't do it for the code. He did that for himself. Yeah. That was a personal attack. He did that to satisfy his own ego, to validate his own pride. He did that for himself. Mm. That's what this is really all about, in what? his own mind. And in Holder's case, he decided to take action on his own. To be honest with you, karmic debt right here is a little bit more tenfold for him. Because in the essence of this is that when you can just simply do right by your people, you try you decide to do right by yourself. Right. And that's the event is what took place right now, right here, right now. So speaking of Eric Holder, you know, that was one angle of the situation. Yeah. Now another angle of the situation was dealing with Dr. Sabi and what Nipsey Hussle was about to put out. I'm not sure if he started, but he had plans and they had the money in order to go along and make the movie about Dr. Sabi's death. Now, a lot of us had a, cons I hate the word conspiracy, but we're just talking, that's how you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. A lot of people had a conspiracy theory that the government, that the LAPD had something to do with this so they can silence him. A little bit of backstory about that is the reason why, if you don't understand this. Dr. Sebi was a known... Well, see, this is the problem. A lot of people don't think he's a real true doctor, which is, that's really up to hearsay. But Dr. CB was a known, I guess you could say, horticulturalist and, I believe, a he people was, of holistic treatments. He was what you call a naturopathic doctor. Okay, naturopathic doctor. So, this Dr. CB had come up with these, these claims that he actually found herbal treatments and holistic treatments that can cure some of the major diseases in the world like AIDS, HIV, herpes, um, you know, basically some of the major things that afflict black people to this day. So Dr. CB had made the claims that he could cure that and he didn't need medicine to do like the current crop of pharmaceutical medicine that's needed to do that. It got to an extreme point where the FDA or the big pharmacy, I like to call them, big pharmacy decided to prosecute Dr. Seaman in New York federal court, which he actually won that case. Yeah. He won that case because he was able to prove that what he was prescribing for them was not considered drugs. It was considered drugs. It was holistic treatment, herbs, herbs. extracts. <laughs> if they cause the cure, they cause the cure. Guess what happens? You can't say that's the big pharmacy. You can get that anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's how Dr. CB be the case. So now the argument now, the story goes that Dr. CB was taken into custody in a Minnesota. Was it a Minnesota? Is that Minnesota? No, it was in um, lower, oh. it was in Central America. Central America. Well, well, he got no way he's incarcerated. He, he got was incarcerated up. in Central America. Okay. So Mrs. Dr. CB was incarcerated in Central America for reportedly having too much money on him. He was detained. He was detained, he caught pneumonia in jail, and died. So the argument amongst the people in the community are saying, for a man who was supposed to be so health conscious, who has all these herbivores and all these natural remedies to heal others, not only he uses for himself, he heal himself, it makes you kind of wonder that pneumonia in prison. How do you die of pneumonia in prison? Well, you know what? I think that all ties together because you're dealing with somebody that had a conspiracy theory on his name by how he died and then you're dealing with a person that wants to expose the fact 
of the conspiracy theory dealing with Dr. Sabi. So I feel that, you know, when you're dealing with the United States government, you can never say that something is outlandish or it couldn't happen because we, the United States government got us hating Muslims because we think they did 9-11. So, you know, they will turn anybody against anybody and they'll kill anybody against anybody. Quick redirect. We have a question right now. Uh, Leela... Lalo, I'm sorry if I've got to honey, but just meet you. Um, she says, what do you think of his new attorney, Christopher Durden? Um, I believe that causes a lot of suspicion when you're dealing with a high-profile lawyer like Christopher Darden uh, being the prosecutor mm-hmm. and trying to defend a man that is basically said to be on camera. And where did you get the funds from? Who's backing you? It has to be an engine that's backing you mm-hmm. if you get high-powered attorneys like that. So it does make them antennas. What was you when he's you was your antenna? You representing Eric Holder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that makes you kind of wonder. Like, where does a person like Eric Holder get the money to back to get a high powered attorney like Christopher Durden? Mm-hmm. Makes you kind of wonder. Remember, LAPD paid informant. So anyway, so uh, according to the conspiracy theories, is now is that Dipsy Hustle who was playing on or in the process of doing a documentary on Dr. CB and people are now believing that this is an affiliation that his murder was an affiliation to that that the government is trying to cover up doc, that documentary they don't want that documentary that exists so that is quite I believe an interesting theory now here's the thing though now I've gone on social media and I've argued with people about why they don't feel Dr. CB is a ready or a qualified doctor in his own right. I've heard a lot of arguments about, oh, he's no one believes in the culture that you can spread avocado on your chest to get pain and cure pancreatic cancer. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to just drink honey and get the cure for the common cold, and you know, so on and so forth. People don't believe that type of treatments, you know, work. Right. Um, that's really up to you to make your opinion. And I, I would say this one thing. Um for you say you take pharmaceutical medicine in order to get better, say get well, whether it's just from a common cold, a fever, pneumonia, the flu, to the break, so you have to have cancer, you get chemotherapy. I'm asking this one question. Where do you think those drugs come from? Good point. Where exactly do these drugs come from? Because for you to take a remedy to heal or cure yourself, it had to come from the ground from where you stand, right? So it came from the ground you, from where you stand. Guess what? That's rooted in holistic treatments, which is basically what Dr. CB was perfecting. So it makes you kind of wonder, maybe there is a little bit more of a point that he had about holistic treatments. Now, for them to devalue that, now basically to attach that to the idea that Nipsey Hussle's murder was based on the fact of this documentary, I will push back and say I never said anything about, I don't know, I'm making excuses for myself, I am not defending myself, I don't care about people think about this at this point. Um, I never once said that Nipsey Hussle's death is related to Dr. CB. I did say that if this is how people feel that they have to process this information in order to read and understand, come to an understanding in their own minds, who are we to tell them wrong if there's some actual backing behind it? 
I, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and double down on that because I, I, I honestly I like where you're coming with, with that perspective mm-hmm. for this simple reason. Nobody necessarily knows what the truth is right now. Mm-hmm. So nobody can necessarily tell somebody else that they're right and they're wrong. Right. So whatever your coping mechanism in is, whatever your way of healing, whatever your way of dealing with a traumatic experience like what's happening right now, if that's what makes you feel like you can get some type of inner peace at this point where nobody really knows what happened, then you should not shame somebody on social media for feeling that right. this could be a Dr. Savvy conspiracy or this could just be some gang affiliation type stuff, right. you know, because nobody knows and everybody's trying to heal. Right. I will say that, you know, out of respect of the friends, his family, and affiliates close to Nipsey who have gone out their way to go on social media and tell people, hey, leave the conspiracy theory arguments alone. Our brother in arms is dead. It's a tragedy. It's what happened to him. He's not coming back. Doing, I'm making these arguments, all these fighting, all the senseless shootings over his in retaliation is not going to change what happened. He's gone. Let's try to grieve and remember him properly. I understand that. Speaking of sense of shooting, bro, I got another question for you and for everybody out here. People, tell us when it's time to reevaluate what this hood culture is, what the hood culture leads to, the, the killings, the death, the violence, the shooting. When do we really start to analyze is this really positive or is this really negative for us? you feel about that, bro? I think that basically sums up to the overall argument when it comes to either keeping it real or keeping it alive. How much... <laughs> at this point, that's really what the argument is. How much real can you be before you get a... before you got a... before you staring down the barrel of a gun? Right. And I think there's gotta be a little bit of pushback. Now, as much as you hate to admit it, it's like, I know... I've heard people say... I've heard a person, a young man, who told me one time and I think he said it with this much emotion. He said, is it possible, can we just wipe out half the black people in this world? Or not say half the niggas in this world? Because <laughs> I do have a very distinct description about clarifying what the difference between black people, black men and women, and niggas. Okay, let's have that distinction clear. Um, he said, can we just wipe out half the niggas in this world and get this shit over with? And I understand who he's coming from. I don't think we should go to that extremity, but I understand where he's coming from. It's a sensitive thing that's happening right now because you're looking at a, basically an attack. It's almost like for a black man, you can't do no good in your life. You're being attacked by your own people. You're being attacked by your woman. You're being attacked by the system. You're being attacked almost in every single angle. It's almost like you can't do no good. Now, to your hood... How far are you willing to just say we need to just step away and let the hood be the hood? That's so what do, you, what do you mean by that? I think there's a level that you have to reach where you're going to have to come to a decision of how far you're going to move on with your life. Are you ready to understand that in order for you to maybe grow and prosper, for your family to grow and prosper, for you to be able to do good in the world, you might have to leave the streets alone. Because like I say, for instance, like there's an argument coming. We can't go to a guy like a Jay-Z or a Dame Dash or P. Diddy or any or a Snoop Dogg. Those guys are well-to-do rappers and actors and whatever, so on and so forth. They can't just simply walk back to their own block and just kick it with the neighborhood gang 
crew. And some nice shoes you got on, Sean John. Yeah. They just not, they just can't <laughs> walk back to their hood now and be like, oh, what's good, my nigga? What's mm-hmm. up? Don't set and all that, so on and so forth. Cause you go, cause you should do the no, no. They won't go do that. They gonna fuck around and get hemmed up. You look like a whole juicy T bone steak in here. So at this point, it's like, like, how far can we go? Snoop Dogg probably ain't stayed in the hood in decades. Right. You know, at some point, you just gotta be like, you gotta be able to do your good from a distance. I think we really do need to reorganize what the hood really is. And this is just a theory that I had, just shooting in my brain. Mm-hmm. We're talking about gangs. We're talking about organizations. You know what a a violent organization is when you really break it down? It is a military. It is an army. It is an army of warriors. So what I really think is, I think we need to focus the energy of these gangs in the right direction. Why don't we think about having some type of initiative instead of making the gangs be about pain and inflicting violence on us, it could be about inflicting violence on people that threaten the lives of the people in the community. How about we, instead of trying to put a lid on the energy of the gang, we redirect the energy to a way that can benefit all of us. Because we got all the soldiers we need. I hear a lot of times people say, well, man, we don't got the people in order to make a change. Mm-hmm. You got all these warriors out in the street that's willing to put their life on the line every single day just to bring home some money so that their kids can eat. You don't think that if we can redirect this energy, we can actually have them same soldiers mm-hmm. that put their lives on the line every day like they was in Baghdad or Pakistan that's on the corner of 127 and Halsted. You think we couldn't get some remedy with a lot of this police violence that happened in our communities? You think if we had another code of the streets like we was back in the day in the 70s where if you kill somebody that was, wasn't affiliated in the game or you feel, kill a daughter or you kill a mother or you kill a grandmother, you don't think that we could get some remedy with these types of actions that's going on? I just really feel that we need to redirect the energy back and help in the community instead of feeling like these are vigilantes that need to be wiped out. Well, here's the problem that I will say about this. It's because what you're doing is you eventually will have to ask a certain group of people to eventually risk putting their lives on the line in order to better their community. Now, that's something that might take a little bit more time than just a simple conversation. We're talking about something that's going to take a whole different generational upbringing. Not to cut you off, but we got another question that came from Lola Dawn, and she asked about the Crips and the Bloods were actually made for protecting the community. They came together. What the hell happened? This is an interesting point, Mm -hmm. because what we need to stop trying to get away from, the government happened. Every time when you have a African-American black community or a organization get together and it seems as though they're making some type of change in the community the government literally steps in and kills that movement because there's no money in not giving black men to the private prison system there's no money if there's no death where they can take the organs there's all types of money there's a trillion dollars in the black community There's $320 per gram of melanin inside of a black man's body. A gram. You know, one black man, one black girl, one black mother is worth millions of dollars. So let's 
stop looking like there's not a big ass gorilla in the room. They want us to kill each other. The government needs us to because it funds the American system. So we don't need no help from them. And we need to make sure that anything dealing with city policy, government ordinance, or anything dealing with federal regulation does not touch our community. Okay. As I was saying, like, just to back, piggyback on what I said, because it kind of elaborates my point. I will say this. What and we're discussing, what he's discussing right now is that, so like I said, it won't be cured over conversation. It's going to take some time. The one thing we might, I regret that it, even it might take even for our lives to be over, ours, yours, and anybody else's over to before we even get to see that change. But the best thing we can do is we can start the process. So and I would believe in the hindsight of that is we have to start doing some level of taking accountability for our communities. What that, what that, how that word feels to you is depending, is varying. But I think there's a level of what we can do personally in our own home with starters that can start some type of change. It's not going to be an easy fix. But how many more people? I'm not even going to say, you know, just black men in general, because black women are just as much as risky black men about this situation. How many more people do we have to see succumb to this type of senseless violence that actually can do some good in this world? I got a remedy. I got an actual initiative that I want to start, and I want everybody to take this challenge. This is something serious. I've been talking to people about it, and I want this to catch on. So at the end of this, I want you to actually share this feed because I need everybody, every African-American to catch on to this, okay? What we should do, let's start somewhere. Let's protect our black women, okay? And this is how I want to do this. Listen to me. I want all my black women... I want you to buy a whistle, okay? And this whistle is for when you see someone that is a danger to you, you see someone that you perceive violence may be coming. I want you to make this cadence with your whistle. Whoop, 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 whoop. And every black man that hears that cadence needs to go to that black woman to see what's wrong with the situation. I don't care if you don't know her. I don't care if it's the neighborhood that you're not a part of. It's called being on code. So what I want you to do, and if you don't like this, hey, that's you. But I really feel that this will catch on. Get that whistle, women. I need the black men to understand when they hear that cadence, I need you to go and protect our women. If you're in a Walmart parking lot and you see a man that's coming up to a black woman and you hear that whistle, I need 15 of my black men to be on the scene like fucking hyenas on a wildebeest. And let's start to protect the source of all our humanity, humanity, and that's our black women. And I really believe that we can do that. I will say that we could possibly do that, but there is something that's for there is something. This, this right here, I'm not, and I'm going in this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to call this one. This one right here, I honestly feel, just do it, just do it. Let's, I don't want to. Let's not talk about this one. But, but brother, just you got, you it. got it. You know, unless, no, 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 because you, just can, you can say, listen, 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 listen. This is Dante you can say, Bridges telling you right now. Okay. Just do it. You can say, just I'm going to make another video about this. All right. Do it. You can say, just do it. But there's one thing that has to, for that to be done, we have to be able to fix the interaction of men and women, black men and black women. Because there's been too much back and forth. 
between the sexes. So that's why I'm saying I'm not saying your ideas and are bad. And I don't want you to try to cut me off on this but, point I'm about to make because I don't want this to become. This is not about anything dealing with us. What I want to say is this. I need you to understand black men and black women. You know when you get into a fight and y'all don't like each other, but if somebody come and talk about your cousin, you're on that person's ass because even though y'all beefing, you'll never let another person come in between the person that you love. This is how you got to put that in your brain. Even though me and you as black men, black women are beefing right now, what we need to understand is we're still a family. And we should never let anybody from the outside that want to do harm to our black women come in and stop that. So before we can just solve the problem of black men and black women, we first got to realize we family. So protect your family, then get back to beefing. And this is what the whistle with the cadence, boo, 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 is supposed to do. Black men, I know they get on your nerves. Black women, I know black men get on your nerves. But this ain't about how we feel about each other. This is about protecting each other's lives. And this is what I want y'all to start enacting. Again, and I understand what you're exactly what you're saying. But again, I'm going to be realistic about this. I understand that I will. I personally agree with that all the way. But culturally, that is going to take some a level of time to happen. That is something that's just we can say it, but it's not going to happen overnight. We have to be able to do this culturally. That, like I said, what, what you just said right there, Mr. Price, Reggie Price said, there has to be steps to be taken before that happens. We have to start engaging people in these conversations so we can start building towards that. It can't just happen overnight. This is not just something we could just say and say, let's do it and make that happen. This shit goes deeper than what we could really just say. There's a lot of pain behind the interactions between men and women. There's some pain that it's not just an easy fix. Some people don't want it fixed at all. Black women, go buy a whistle tomorrow, and if I hear you do that cadence, I will come and I will put my life on the line to protect you. It'll just start with me then, and it'll start with another person that might feel my way. But do it. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes we can, there is reason why you have to talk something out, because you have to understand where do we go. You have to get your strategy. But when it's a state of an emergency, just like how the government calls it, sometimes you have to enact something that's going to help the problem immediately. And what I'm saying, the innate reason of just helping the black woman feel protected and survive when she walks to the street, black women, I'm going to say it one more time, go by a whistle, the cadence is boop, 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 and black men. Take the challenge of when you hear that whistle, no matter how you feel about your black woman right now, help them out. That's it. We can heal. We can have many town hall meetings after that. We can talk about how the child support system is, is breaking us down. We can talk about how the government is breaking us down. But let's save the black woman's lives first because we are the true warriors, black men. Let's do that first. Are you feeling that I'm saying don't save them? No. What I'm, no. I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay, I'll say, so I want to I be clear I about this. I want to be clear. I don't think that Reggie, I don't think that none of you all disagree or feel like I'm saying something wrong. What I feel that you, you're saying is, yes, we understand, and that's a good idea, but there's a couple of steps that we have to do before. What, I'm, what you're getting the pushback is, I honestly feel that there's no steps to one woman that's listening to my voice right now going to get a whistle and saying, boop, 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 and me hearing that and stopping somebody from hurting her. 
That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay, that's fine. But here's the same thing. And I will say this, the pushback is this. You're saying you. I'm even going to say, I would say me. But we don't, unfortunately, we can't speak for an entire generation and an entire culture to do the same that we would do. Right. We can't do that. I, I, and that's unfortunate we can't. Because a, a person once said a long time ago, the village mentality almost died. Right. That has to get brought back up. So, yeah, I agree. Well, I would do the same. But we can't speak. We only speak for ourselves. So what I would say about that is, you know, for the people that would like to do that, do it. And for the people that feel that we need to heal the community so we need to talk about it beforehand, get the fuck out the way and let us do it. If it only takes 50 people that's doing it, let them do it. Mm -hmm. We can have the meeting later, but let's save lives first. Then I, I will. We can agree on that one. All right. Well, I believe that's all the time we got for this subject. We thank y'all for y'all patience. We thank y'all for tuning in. We thank y'all for this conversation. Please go home, engage in this conversation. Try to make them understand about this. We understand this is a traumatic event, and we know a lot of people have different opinions about this. But please, at the end of the day, we are all trying to. We all understand this is heinous. We understand this is wrong. The most important thing we can do right now is learn, grow, and adapt to this. Yeah. I'm Dante Chase Bridges, man. I'm Steven City P. Watson. That concludes another episode. Brothers, we are out. Peace. Peace.